7: Hey, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
0: It's time now for Armchair Politics. Join host Tom Sumner for this weekly reality check on current events in local, state and national politics, and the real issues that really matter. You too can be part of Armchair Politics. Find us on Facebook we let the dogs off their leash. Stay tuned, cause it's on now.
6: Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of Armchair Politics, our weekly roundtable on the Tom Sumner program. Joining me for today's edition of Armchair Politics, our panel of political pundits includes roundtable regulars on the left, Flint's premier political pundit, Paul Rosicki. Good morning, Paul. Good morning. Good to be here. And on the right, longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter. Henry, good morning. Uh, Good morning, Tom. Paul. Morning, Henry. By the way, Henry, happy birthday a couple days
2: ago. Thank you. Oh, I was going to say thank you to you and your wife. You always do that every year. Thank you so much. I anticipate
6: (laughs) that. Thank you. (laughs) And last but not least, joining the roundtable this week, and always a treat, uh, political operative Bobby Clayton Walton. Good morning, Bobby. Good morning, guys. Good Good morning. Well, as uh, as you all know, uh, we start uh, Armchair Politics each week with some quotes, including the finish the quote segment that I begin with where I ask you, how would you finish this quote? And it goes like this. If you have always believed that everyone should play by the same rules and be judged by the same standards, that would have gotten you what?
4: Hmm. <laughs> I'm just going to say cynical, that would have gotten you nowhere, but (laughs) I don't know. Everything
2: Uh, you wanted, if you could have done
6: that. It it would be nice if that were the quote, Henry. (laughs) But but the actual quote is, uh, if you have always believed that everyone should play by the same rules and be judged by the same standards, that would have gotten you labeled a radical sixty years ago, <laughs> a liberal thirty years oh, ago, oh. and a racist today.
4: Oh, yeah, that's interesting.
6: <laughs> Do you know who said that? It was oh, it was Thomas Sowell.
4: Oh. Oh, <laughs> oh he's good. Okay. Yeah.
6: Well, here's one of the quotes that uh, caught my attention this week. Um and probably a lot of others in retrospect I should have thought about it I am human I made a mistake and I apologize
4: oh Governor Whitmer Whitmer. (laughs) yeah (laughs) you're
6: you're right it was Governor Gretchen Whitmer apologizing Sunday after a photo circulated of her at a Lansing bar violating Michigan Health Department orders by closely gathering unmasked with a dozen other people um and and of course, the obvious question is: Should the governor be held to her own recommendations?
4: Ideally, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I but the P, so. the I the P, so. the, P, the, P, the PR is it was is, is terrible. On I've seen uh, commercials attacking her already on television, but, but but both that and the trip to Florida. So yeah, the P, even though you can justify it in some ways because they were vaccinated, the, the PR is terrible.
2: Uh, the governor of California did the same thing, didn't he? Got caught yeah, that's in a public right. place that's without right. his I mask.
1: I suspect a lot of the uh, public officials that tell us what to do, um, if the truth were known, have all violated their own rules. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
6: do as I say, and not as I do. And it's
2: difficult not to. When you're in those public policy places, there are things that are risky. And still you must do them. You can't. You're not perfect, and people don't expect you to be perfect
1: because you oh, make ch- mistakes. Your children and sometimes to they... get caught. Pardon? Your children do. You tell them not to smoke, and they catch you sneaking out the back I door know it. I know it. Yeah. I know it. <laughs> but he needed a, uh, a hit.
4: <laughs> but but you know, I think I think she handled the the ma- the, uh, the masking situation better than the Florida trip. I, oh I,
2: yeah. She, I come in clean and, and
4: apologize. I at least that kind of took it off yeah. the agenda. But that yeah the yep. to Florida has been just trickling on for for weeks yeah. and for months uh, that yeah. that's the probably more damage
1: was the issue yeah. because she took a ride on a private plane was the issue because yeah. she left the state? you know what was the real issue there well,
6: well that was that 's a real complicated one because um, first of all, the timing was bad. She went, you know, on statewide television and told Michiganders don't go to Florida for spring break, and then she got on a plane and went to Florida. So the timing was bad. But then, you know, the plane was a private plane owned by, you know, a corporation. Um,
2: Violating the public trust.
6: Yeah, Yeah. there there could be, you know, some... um, uh, What's that, the complication? Uh, Conflict of interest?
1: Conflict of yeah, interest. Uh,
6: yeah, but I was trying to think of, like, <clears throat> Hayes Act-type violations of
1: quid, of... quid pro quo, quid yeah, pro quo. Yeah.
6: Ex, yeah. You know, accepting uh, favors, even though she she did, uh, you know, try to, to compensate uh, uh, for her passage and, and so on, and use some of her own money, but, it, you know, it just... The optics of the route that she went when she took, you know, that trip to Florida were bad as well. So, you know, the the nature of of her transportation looked bad. The timing was very bad. You you know, that that one just had, uh, you know, do as I say, not as I do written all over it. But, you know, if, she'd right,
4: if she'd come out right away and said, gee, my father's in a health crisis, I've got to go, I understand this is against policy, I think even then it would have dampened down the reaction. If she'd come out publicly very early on and
1: explain what was happening. And explain her thinking. I think. But you know, Paul, it's like I um, criticize people for taking money from people that they expected. You know, it's a quid pro quo thing. And right. often the legislators that I confront about it, and I've confronted both sides of the aisle, they will tell me, well, you don't believe I'd sell my vote, do you? And I said, no, but I know whose phone call you will answer.
4: Right. I know exactly. whose
1: phone call you return.
4: Yeah, that's true. That's quite true. Yeah.
6: Well, and the one of the um, interesting fallouts from that particular scandal is this initiative in the uh, state legislature to have the governor Basically um, have to report to Congress if she plans to leave the state for any reason.
1: Yeah, that's pretty punitive. And yeah. and they're saying, and they're I, saying
6: uh, it's so they can make a contingency during her absence. But I, the first thing I thought of when I read that is, well, then the lieutenant governor would have no job.
4: That's right. In fact, there and was he a post doesn't r- if she's
1: gone,
4: doesn't he? Yeah. I'm sure I, you know. I, I think John Sherry had some posts on Facebook to that very point saying, well, basically, if you see the lieutenant governor in charge, you know the governor's gone. Because uh, <laughs> so apparently he's, he's, he's done that himself in that
1: role. All right. Well,
2: That just tells you how far public trust, how much we've lost, You've got to report memory. to Congress, yeah. and, and these are two independent institutions. There's states' rights and they're national rights, and you know, and most must prevail and be recognized with. But commingling—well, uh, uh, it's not commingling, but that's just how
1: far public
2: trust has been lost. How much? That's
1: been lost. true, but you know, I had a gut reaction uh, when we were when I read about it uh, as a woman. Uh, for people to be telling you that they have to oversee your movements, to oversee where you're going, it's such a controlling thing that my first reaction was was very instinctively emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, and it may have had perfectly good legislative reasons for it being, but it was, wait a minute, would you be doing the same thing if this were a man?
6: Well, you know, uh, Paul just mentioned uh, John Cherry, who used to be a regular guest, uh, uh, a regular uh, participant in armchair politics on this program. When he was lieutenant governor, I remember a number of times seeing uh, ceremonial signings that he did while uh, uh, Governor Granholm was out of the state for some reason. And, you know, nobody raised any issues about it then.
2: Yeah. That's when the governor had power and authority. And that
6: and that speaks yeah. a little bit to you know, Bobby's emotional reaction because true, that was a yeah. that was a woman governor as well, and she didn't get the kind of blowback that uh, that Governor Whitmer gets. Yeah,
1: it was a different world then.
4: Yeah, I think we're, in a, we're clearly in a much more partisan but,
2: time.
6: But guys, I do think that
2: women are rising to prominence and they're taking up place in, in world affairs and domestic affairs and stuff and they're doing a good job. and We've got to somehow get away from this division that's always prevalent, that obstructs good the development of good public policy because it's always a racial issue or a Gender issue or money issue that impairs her ability to work together.
6: Well, well. I just I, I I just had never heard of such a thing as this uh, notion that somehow she would have to consult with the legislature yeah. on on taking uh, a trip, whether it was personal or business or whatever so that they could decide how to deal with things in her absence. That's already provided for. That, yeah. that seems like, uh, you know, a solution looking for a problem.
2: But it's a nice gesture. It just indicates you have nothing to decide. Hey, here, I'm going out of state, or I'm going to do this or that. Uh, and uh, to say that, you know, it's against public policy, I would never say that. <laughs> This is a
6: violation of law. Well, Rick Snyder left the state, he left the country multiple I times. Know, but during you can't his admit, you
2: can't admit that's a violation of policy. <laughs> <laughs> Cuz that's against the law. No, he you should be put in handcuffs. <laughs> he,
6: well, you know, when he was governor, he uh took several uh business exploratory trips to Europe and to China. Yes, I remember that. And uh, as I mentioned, Gretchen, um, Gretchen Whitmer, uh, Jennifer Granholm, uh, I remember took a trip to uh, Israel. That's right. Talking yeah. about but that was uh, water to
2: promote business and stuff like that. She can do that. Members of the House can do that. When you're in uh, search of uh, business arrangements and cultivating
6: of uh, agreements and stuff like that, you can do that. Well, I think Governor Granholm, if she'd have gone to Canada to visit family, um, I, I think she could have done that without causing an international incident.
4: I think so. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, think in, in many ways the Whitmer story could have been a very sympathetic story. Here she is taking care of her very old father and all that. It yeah, didn't didn't have to be a negative story, but because of, of it trickling out, it became such a negative story for so long.
6: Well, and that's what makes this story uh, really kind of sad for the governor because. You know, something like that is a personal thing. You don't want to hold a press conference and tell the world that, you know, that your dad is sick in Florida and you want to go visit him, you know, because it might be the last time, you know. I mean, that's going to be on people's minds. It's going to be one of the first questions a reporter asks. So those things that are personal, that, that gets tricky to navigate, I would think.
4: Yeah, yeah.
6: Anyway, yeah. we yeah. got to take a short break, but I got a really good quote that I I didn't want to jump into when we didn't have uh, time to talk about it. So we'll we'll get to that after we let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in. If you're streaming us, we have a few messages as well, and then armchair politics continues right after this.
2: Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening
3: to the Tom Sumner program.
0: Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show.
6: And welcome back, everybody. We continue now with uh, this week's edition of Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program, featuring our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki on the left, Henry Hatter on the right, and they're joined by political operative Bobby Clayton Walton. And uh, I'm I'm really happy with the way we, we went to break that time. I didn't have to cut Henry up. (laughs) Funny. Um, if i'd have brought up this next quote before we went to break that would have been a different story and and here it is this uh this one has gotten a lot of attention you know we can look back at a time in history where people were told to wear a gold star and they were definitely treated like second-class citizens so much so that they were put in trains and taken to gas chambers in nazi germany uh, the Congress yes. lady from down south, Green.
1: Yeah, Green. Yep. Yes. Mar- Marjorie Taylor Green.
2: Yeah, yeah
6: that was yeah. Uh, Republican Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene during an interview on a conservative podcast this last week compared House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's decision to continue to require members of the House to wear masks on the chamber floor to steps the Nazis took to control the Jewish population during the Holocaust. <laughs> Is she lo- Is she risking losing support from Holocaust deniers? <laughs> well, I, really, I
1: really did not
2: see that. could be that part of her base support, you never know. <laughs> I did not well,
4: see they,
1: that. Well, they have to. They have to be able to make the connection, and I don't always really hear a lot of um, what's sort of thinking? critical thinking uh, that comes from that sector. <laughs> And Henry, sure. go ahead. You know, uh, funny, yeah, I did not work.
2: see anything so really bad about that, except uh, you know, if you're wearing something over your face, you're covering something, and uh, like in Nazi Germany, they had to wear that that star on the forehead to designate that they were Jewish. Um, <clears throat> I didn't see this comment the same. As sultry as that combat might have been then, I think the mask—just the idea of wearing something over your face—as uh, a, as a precaution, or as something that's uh, uh, not—people don't accept readily. People don't accept having wearing that mask in public places. At least the Republicans don't, and I can see why she. Thought that might look like Nazi Germany because you had to wear it, particularly in the in the house, in the Senate, in the Capitol building.
6: Yeah, but so, I thought it. I, I I thought it. It really. Um, it it was grasping at straws. Yeah, I might be grasping at straws To talk too. about the idea of of being required to wear masks yeah. in close quarters yeah. uh, universally um, and and then comparing it to to anything to do with the holocaust for the purpose of hyperbole was yeah. you know just too too far a reach I think and I think going well, to
4: say, I mean, how about the sign just so you know, no, no, shirt, no shirt, no shoes, no service. Is that also a Holocaust parallel? I mean, it's just bizarre. I agree with yeah. that. Well, work.
6: should, you uh,
2: know, should we... But she apologized. After she thought about it, she apologized. And we should dwell on the things that are positive about what people do in Congress when they're good. We should not gravitate to all of the negatives. The negatives never bring things together. We continue to divide ourselves, and I found myself doing the same thing. So I've de- decided to um, dwell more on positive things and to compliment people when they do something right
6: for change rather than condemn them. But sometimes we have to use these things as uh, teachable moments, I think. And in this particular case, you know, it, that's just too extreme. Okay. a metaphor uh, you know that would be like saying the attack on the Capitol on January 6th was akin to the Japanese bombing Pearl Harbor yeah I, I got yeah. you yeah, yeah, I, I mean bombing. it was horrible and I think it should be described as horrible but comparing it to Pearl Harbor you know doesn't yeah. make any sense And and I think we need to learn to think about you know, the the degrees that we yes. use to make these comparisons.
1: Yes. Yep. Yeah, I think that's, that's a criti- good point. It's that critical thinking again. And I do believe that the danger, and I'm going to disagree with Henry, the danger of, of not publicly recognizing when someone is trying to play on our emotions to get us to do something mm-hmm. is wrong. We need to recognize that and we need to point it out. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you.
2: <coughs> but Otherwise, it becomes, it becomes
1: acceptable.
4: It becomes the norm, and people start start believing those kind of parallels unless you unless you react to it to some degree. But well, we can never go ahead. I was going to say. On the other hand, I, I wasn't going to define all Republicans by 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 Green and her her goofy comments. I mean, she's clearly at the at the very margins. Uh, and
6: no, and I and some in some Republicans and some you might not expect have. Uh, have called those comments out, and, yeah, and kudos yeah. to yeah. them.
2: Uh, that's th- that elected leader has then angered a lot of people of color, just by, and I don't think that she really means to. She just doesn't know any better. But she represents all of the people. And that's the and problem. The of,
6: that's the yeah. problem, Henry, and that's why I draw attention to it, because I'm with you. I prefer to talk about positive things um, things that maybe we can do something about. And, but in this, uh, in this particular case, I think it shows a lack of sensitivity that has been, you know, consistent in her, in her rhetoric. And, and I think, um, you know, whether like Bobby suggests that, you know, people need to return to a time of critical thinking or, you know, but, but people have to learn that you just can't make these, these, outrageous comparisons for the purpose of uh, appealing to people's emotions.
4: You know, there, there are times I wonder if she really believes this stuff or does she simply enjoy the media attention she gets when she <laughs> says crazy stuff? Because it so seems like the crazier stuff she says, the more media attention she gets.
6: No offense, but get- no offense to Henry, but I think that a lot when I listen to former President Donald Trump.
4: <laughs>
6: but I can tell you
2: this about Miss Green. She's good at what she does. Uh, she might anger you. She's like uh, uh, the uh, two people in the Republican Party and the Democrat Party that angles Democrats.
6: <laughs> well, it reminds me of a question a, a, a screenwriter, friend of mine in Los Angeles, once asked me, and I've been wrestling with it ever since. Would you rather be right or effective?
4: <laughs> well, yeah yeah well i think it depends oh bobby you lose bobby you lost your Bobby?
6: Yeah. i can, can you hear now me? yeah there you go yeah.
1: you cut out for a second oh, i'm sorry you know i got a new cell phone maybe we need to start talking over the phone uh so um <laughs> but she um what is it that she does it so good i, I mean she's good at stirring up uh people's
2: anger or their fears but is that what we need in the congressperson uh no but i said she was good at it because she she is she can stir people up
1: yeah as, more uh, think two need democrat,
2: we have two democrats the same way two women on the democrat side and they just really make people grind their teeth
4: and the thing is, she's getting attention. I mean, all of the four hundred and thirty-five yeah. members of Congress, she's certainly among yeah. the better-known ones. For a, yes. a a newly elected member of Congress, she's getting an awful lot of attention because she does say these these crazy things.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, we get achievements what Henry deplores, which is making us further divided.
6: Right, mm. right. That that, and that's and well, that's why it's important to, you know to look at these things, whether it's uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene or. Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. You know, if you um, say something or do something that's inappropriate, you know, we, we need to, to learn from those things. Not just the people right. who said or did them, but the rest of us need can to think we about really, Can we learn
2: from the representatives from Michigan, the Democrats, and the one from New York? Can we learn from those two people? Or do they further... Just to bite us. No, it's okay. They need to have strong positions, but they need to make sure that they not do hyperbole, as Thomas said, but
1: through information. Henry, I have to tell you that um, our Congressman Meyer, I am going to to admire Meyer. I think he is thoughtful, and I think he actually does have uh, a set of principles that he follows through on, and that's something to be admired no matter what party you belong to. I agree.
6: Yeah, uh, he, he really has. Yeah,
1: he's,
4: he's come across as a very solid character.
6: And, and I and, remember thinking when he first announced he was running that, you know, it was going to be more form than substance, but he has really proved me wrong.
1: Yeah, he's come
6: forward. And you may not agree with his positions on every issue, but you at least trust that he came by his positions honestly. Right. And, and this is what
2: I've said about Republicans and Democrats. The, the, the people who are elected to Congress are not elected simply by Republicans. They're elected by a combination of independents and dissidents. Democrats or Democrats who just happen to like the Republican for whatever reason. And the same thing is true in reverse order. Republicans, like all of the Republicans that voted for Obama, it's amazing. Mm. And that's how our system works. But we condemn all of this stuff, and we get the country to nipping and gnawing at each other until we can't put two nickels together to make a dime. And that's what's happening in the country right now. With so, so much hyperbole, as Tom says, and 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 half truth that we can't come up with any creative ideas, as you say, um, there to keep us going.
4: Well, well a- Henry, you're right. Unfortunately, but if you work with the other party, you're seen as a traitor to your own party, and in yeah. part that's because of our primary system. You know, if you, I always argued that you win the primary on the twenty yard line, you win the general election on the
2: fifty yard line. But those the- people who say that. They're in the minorities.
6: They're not mainstream. Those are the well, people who talk the loudest. Uh, Paul, I would, uh, I would amend that analogy um, in light of the way primaries are now that you win primaries on the 50-yard line in the general no. election.
2: <laughs> yeah, maybe there's some truth to that. Yeah. And that's
6: yeah. very true in Genesee County. Anyway, let's talk about Flint and Genesee County a little bit. One of the world's largest utility companies and a former water <laughs> consultant to the city of Flint wants a federal judge to exclude the testimony of a doctor who has overseen bone testing here saying the devices used by Dr. Aaron Specht are unreliable for measuring lead exposure. Veolia, North America, which has declined to join the state of Michigan and others in settling lawsuits filed on behalf of Flint residents who claim they were harmed by city water, filed a motion in U.S. District Court this month, the most recent objection to a controversial method of testing of Flint residents' bones using portable X-ray fluorescent devices. Should courts have the say on use of these devices? Uh, should be the profession. That's what I think, Henry, but we don't seem to trust the, the professionals anymore.
4: Yeah, but, but when you're we have legal, to pass when, when a when law. You're dealing with legal issues, the courts have to get involved. There's, there's, I mean, yeah, the courts have but to, then decide we, to trust the I, profession trust. I see the, the conflict there.
2: But then yeah. we have to pass a law prohibiting or supporting, and then it has to be contested, go through the courts, and then the courts ultimately de- decide. Yeah. But what no, is, it can't the, be done right like it is. What, no.
1: What okay, is the I mean. aim of the utility that is wanting to stop this testing? What is the testing? Is it to prove that the lead in the water was causing issues? Is that the issue? Well, the
6: um, what they what they're saying in essence is that the uh, method of testing residents bones is flawed and maybe showing more positives for potential um, monetary
2: right. gain.
4: Oh, I yeah. see, I see. Hmm.
2: Well, you know, bone accumulates uh, lead throughout your lifetime, and so the younger you are, <laughs> the less lead you'll have. I, I imagine, uh, but, not imagine, but, but, but how it is.
6: their but. objection is... That um, that the testing is is unreliable, and mm-hmm. uh, I suspect it's because it's finding lots of cases. But yeah. uh, you know, yeah. but, but that's pure speculation yeah. on my part. Uh, Genesee County Commissioner Charles Winfrey and Sixth Ward Councilman uh, City Councilman Herbert Winfrey organized a community gathering for residents and law enforcement to discuss the continuing rise in violent crime. In a collaboration with uh, Ballinger Highway, Ballinger Square, and Together We Stand Neighborhood Associations, the two seat holders along with Genesee County Sheriff Chris Swanson and Flint Police Department Chief Terrence Green came together for an hour-long session Friday night in the parking lot of Bethel United Methodist Church to speak with residents. Commissioner Winfrey touched on some of the things the community undertook a decade ago such as neighborhood watch training, uh, had alert telephone numbers where people could call in case someone spotted something, and a newsletter detailing uh, safety tips. He said that although the problem wasn't completely resolved, he believed the issues did go away about 85 to 90 percent, and it is something that has to be done again. How important is community engagement in reducing crime? What are some other benefits?
4: I would think critical. I mean, from what the sheriff has said and the others, it sounds like the the lack of people willing to testify has been so critical in not being able to prosecute some of these, especially some of the shootings, from what I've heard. Yeah.
1: I think uh, there have been programs in the past, I know there was one in Chicago, where the police actively um, developed some sort of a relationship with the community so that the community felt like they were participating in crime prevention instead of just being potential victims yeah Yeah. but no, they they that, that, that tried the, to... the
2: image
4: the image the of the whole... cop in the corner makes a big difference i think and it's it, it may have been, maybe it was never quite true as the old comics used to de- depict it but i think that community connection is critical for any police officer
2: there's yeah, a whole cadre of of efforts over the past 30 years where people have tried to every year somebody's going to come out and do something different that will create a a positive future and then we kind of it kind of dies down and then erupts again but crime is not as bad as it was several years ago when we had 60 people die in one year 62 i think it was but and we don't seem to be um we're better than we were then, so it's relative to when people go out and say they're going to do this, what people expect and what they want to achieve. I, I, don't, I, I think uh, the mood in the country helps to create this enthusiasm for doing something. Someone will step forward and say, okay, we'll do this or that. But unless the community is behind it, it isn't going to work.
6: Yeah, that's true. Well, here here comes a story that's liable to get me uh <laughs> cutting Henry off at the <laughs> at okay. the next break. Chance of get her out. Rivaled Amy's here to stay along the sidewalk outside Grand Blanc High School Monday afternoon as students, retired teachers, and other members of the community gathered to protest Amy Faccinello, a school board member, accused of believing in the QAnon conspiracy. More than a (laughs) 100 protesters joined with signs and chants in the heart of Grand Blanc on May 24th to raise awareness about the upcoming recall attempt of Faccinello. The school board member was recently thrust into the national spotlight when a Time magazine article used her as an example of a growing number of QAnon conspiracy theorists that are infiltrating local politics. About 25 counter-protesters showed up to argue that Faccinello was duly elected and has her right to free speech. They attempted to drown out the noise of the protesters with bells and chants of their own. Should Faccinello be removed?
4: The the, the one question I would ask is is do her beliefs Impact her role as a school board member. I mean, does the Q
1: and
6: There's been there's no evidence stuff? of that so far, according yeah, to I the, the article
1: in the Yeah, and I I think freedom of speech. I mean, you can be as stupid as you want to be, and and be as <laughs> as awful as you want to be. But if as long as you're elected, I mean, let's look at the examples we just talked about. As long as you're elected, until the people that elected you choose to remove you, or the people you serve with who have the authority, providing there's a really bad issue, I think she should be allowed freedom of speech until it interferes with her work, and I agree with Paul.
2: I agree with that statement. And I I do. That's the only way to do it. And there may be other reasons why some people in the... the, uh, elective area want the person removed. She may have enemies there and she may have critics that uh, for some reason that and this lady has gained uh, national attention but in board communities you don't want a person rising too much higher than the average of the crowd. Uh,
1: particularly well, until interfere with yeah. the teaching of the children. Yeah. If she were to yes. If she were to fight for changing the curriculum, changing the textbooks, changing the way that children are taught so that it reflects her beliefs as opposed to what we see as fact, then until then I don't see a problem. Yeah, that's my feeling too. Until it really starts impacting her
4: her role as a school board member, she can say whatever she wants on Facebook, I suppose.
1: Yeah, uh, that that will not please some of my friends who invited me to go to the rally, which I did not do. (laughs) <laughs> yeah,
2: uh, and um, you got to be careful. I try to stay away from Facebook because that will get you in trouble.
6: <laughs> People interpret I agree with you, things
2: that you say and do, and they use it against you. There's a lot of reason. crazy things there. You can say A plus B equals C. Therefore, B minus B. <laughs> Equal, hey. <laughs> and oh, no, yeah, you know, that erupts an argument. So you don't want to go on Facebook
6: to settle an argument. <laughs> nope, you don't. <laughs> and I think Bobby uh, makes. Uh, I, I think Bobby articulates uh, the the caution well. That you know, if it if in some way um, becomes a problem in the passing of rules or regulations or public safety or curriculum, then there's something that needs to be done. But otherwise, it it really kind of smacks of cancel culture.
1: It does. And what if she was of a certain religious belief? Or what if she wanted to wear a hijab on her head? I mean, there are so many ways that people can attack you because of your beliefs, and I think we need to be careful. Yes.
2: As being negative, uh, we were talking about that early. Uh, We need to find something positive to talk about once in a while. But these negative things that just let them play out and they will go away themselves.
6: Well, this is, attention. this is the perfect time to take a break, and I don't have to cut Henry off to do it. <laughs> <that. laughs> Thank you. We're, we're going to take a, uh, a short break. Let our broadcast partners at 92.1 FM squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. Then we will return with more armchair politics on the Tom Sumner program.
4: This is
6: U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody. We continue armchair politics on the Tom Sumner Program uh, with our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, joined by Bobby Clayton Walton. Um, Governor Gretchen Whitmer and Republican legislative leaders reached a broad deal late Thursday that may give lawmakers more authority in future pandemic orders and Whitmer's team a better position on budget negotiations, according to news releases from the elected leaders. The releases from Whitmer, House Speaker Jason Wentworth, a Republican from Farwell and Senate Majority Leader Mike Shirkey, Republican from Clark Lake. All include significantly different language on the terms of the deal, but the highest-ranking elected leaders in the state agree there are terms in place between parties with a recently frosty relationship. Wentworth and Shirky said Whitmer gets to have her team involved in House and Senate budget negotiations in exchange. The Speaker said the governor agreed to establish a formal and permanent role for lawmakers in issuing future pandemic orders. Is this what reasonable compromise looks like?
2: It might be a start.
4: Yeah.
2: I I don't think, I think it's, uh, it's uh, too isolated, too isolated conditions that they've agreed upon. But it does not reflect all the interactivity that goes on in negotiating and creating budgets and, Deciding public policy and stuff like that. The just because you do something to please the opposing party in one situation, you may create other uh, situations that are reverse that process. So I I, I don't think that's enough. They need a the real working relationship. First of all, they need to have conversations with each other that are open and honest and they, um, and party leaders need to keep politics. Well, I don't, know, I don't know how you can keep politics out, but they need to make sure that they drive coherent public policy, uh, through the process. The, uh, policy is no good without the voices of the two parties. And that's uh, what they need.
1: Yes, I I wanted to address what you just said about keeping politics out of it. One of my favorite books when I was in graduate school was entitled The Politics of the Budgetary Process, and it Mm -hmm. was written by um, Aaron Waldowski. And what he pointed out was that when you look at just the numbers and you make assumptions about the reasonability of how we are going to be spending our money, you are neglecting the politics that go on. In the background which is negotiation over interest because right. everybody that comes to the table to get some of that money has a different interest and so you can't keep politics out of it I think what you're talking about is partisan politics which partisan is politics is position. what I meant you got it
2: you got it Yes, you got it partisan policy I, yeah, I always
6: say when it when it you comes caught to me <laughs> I did when it, yeah. when it comes to uh, policy issues, I say that there's, there's always two questions that must be answered, and they are who cares and how are you going to pay for it?
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then who's, who's going to win and who's going to lose?
2: Yeah. yeah. But part of the politics, in politics is, is, is people throw monkey wrenches in the spokes of tires just to do it because it's a, it provides satisfaction. But that's not governance, guys. Governance is different.
1: I think you're singing to acquire. choir. Um, I think, Henry, that those of us who have studied history and politics and government for ages tend to look in the, the olden days, the Eisenhower Republicans and all of that, and say how wonderful they were. In what about together, the Greeks and working the Romans? Yeah, working across the aisle. But did they really?
2: Well, the yeah, That's true. Yeah they,
1: yeah, they had
2: friction, but we certainly looked like a country then, even though the country was racist and all of that stuff. But it was a better country than it is today.
1: Well, we were successful racists. Mm, yeah. No, I'm not sure yeah, about you, that, Henry. Yeah. 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 yeah.
2: But, but they got things done, and people were just, and it, this country was stable. But well, now well, it, we are all yeah. afraid and don't know which way to go. In those days, don't like know both diaries
4: should... had Both parties had, had ideolo- ideological diversity. You had liberal Republicans, conservative <coughs> Republicans, and the same for Democrats as well. Yeah, Now we, we, there, there's not much diversity in either party, so the game is to win for your team. And how do you know? Re-
2: and and I, I wonder, how do I know I'm on the right place? on the right side, yeah, yeah. and when I make a decision, am I on the right side or the wrong side? Cause one side will prevail for the others. But back in those days, you didn't, you that out somehow. But today we well, compromise not at all.
1: We are not was, civil. Well, we're
6: yeah, managing from the extremes.
1: I was yeah. a kid and I remember being very angry at the Democrats in Congress because they did not go along with President Eisenhower when he had a certain budgetary request. I remember being upset with them. And so it was it was a big issue. You may not oh, remember yeah. it because you're not as old as I am.
4: Well it was people like Everett Dirksen who made some civil rights bills possible as a Republican. He was the one who when Bush yes. came to shove finally made a difference to, to pass a number of these civil rights bills of the early sixties.
2: And Moynihan from New York he was a great, uh, <clears throat> he helped uh, Nixon to compromise things so that people of color could get jobs in General
6: Motors and the Army and stuff like that. And Moynihan was a Democrat. Well, we look at the relationship that. between uh, Ronald Reagan and Tip O'Neill. Exactly,
1: yeah. exactly,
4: yeah.
1: yeah. Um, here's something and what's that we... Happening now, what's happening now with the, um, the crime bill or the the? Cop- Bill in, um, in the Senate to have the Democrat and Republican sitting down and actually talking, negotiating, and trying to work out differences.
4: And you find yeah, cooperation within criminal justice reform uh, between the parties as well. Uh, Democrats on kind of civil liberties issues and Republicans on financial issues, but the idea of reducing some penalties, reducing incarceration, does find some support in both parties, at least. But this.
2: And you're making my point. My point was uh, in the opening um, discussion was to cite something that's positive that Democrats or Republicans do. Look at the effort that you just pointed to, how they're setting down, some of them, trying to compromise. That's the only way that good public policy is going to be developed. That's the only way. The other way that we're doing it now it's it, makes winners and losers of it. And there will never be any stability. I don't mean uh, That's hyperbole.
6: High, uh, well, we, stability is hard to come about. We, we just have a couple of minutes left before we uh, get to the top of the hour break and, and roll into the second half. But... Um, We mentioned this at the beginning of the hour, and I'm going to bring it back up again. Governor Gretchen Whitmer would need to notify legislative leaders when leaving the state if a new (laughs) GOP bill with clear political motivations becomes law. The measure proposed by Senator Tom Barrett, a Republican from Charlotte, comes as Republicans continue to ridicule Whitmer over a controversial trip to Florida to visit her ailing father. Critics blasted the trip, arguing it was hypocritical given state travel advice during a pandemic, and asked the governor to give more details about her travel. Under the bill, the governor would need to notify the Senate majority and minority leaders, along with the House Speaker and House Minority Leader, the notification must be in writing, in indicate the uh, expected length of the trip and state who will serve as acting governor lieutenant governor garland Gilchrist is first in line to be acting governor when Whitmer is out of state so I, I ask again as, as I did uh, earlier is this a bill is this bill a solution without a problem
4: <laughs> yeah I think so yeah I
6: mean I mean c-
4: clearly there are there's somebody ought to be aware of the governor leave but I think the lieutenant governor is going to be aware of that and uh, if, you're, if she goes to a uh, a luncheon in Toledo, she shouldn't have to notify the legislature uh, that she's leaving the state. Uh,
1: but it well, would be nice. Well, there may be some of those guys out there waiting to kidnap her again, and maybe but she doesn't yeah. want them to know where she's going. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a good point, Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I right. honestly do believe that there is no good coming of this bill. It's just a punitive measure.
4: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it's it's a reaction to, to some of the events of the earlier part of the year, and it, it, I don't think it's going to mean much in the long run, anyhow. Because I would imagine, I mean, in practice, I would imagine any time a governor has left the state, the lieutenant governor was aware of that, and probably a lot of other people were, I don't imagine governors are sneaking out of the state with any great frequency. Uh, so it's, it's it's a bizarre kind of bill.
1: Well, if we didn't have legalized gambling, they might want to sneak out and go over and <laughs> That's true. <laughs>
6: yeah, that uh that, I I don't know about you, but I, I am so tired of seeing the uh, online gambling commercials on television.
4: Oh, so are we so oh no.
1: Yeah.
4: Yeah. I I And apparently from, from what you said, what you hear is that there are is a dramatic increase in people's G- gambling addiction has gone on the rise because of that kind of stuff. But yeah, you know, they they've just inundated, inundated, inundated television in the last couple well, of Well,
1: gambling actually causes poverty. There was a study done in uh, Maryland when we were arguing over slot machines, and um, it was done by the attorney general at the time on the prediction of how much poverty would be caused if legalized gambling came to the state. And it was clear that what you're creating is more of a burden for the people who do have the addiction to gambling or an mm-hmm. addiction to gambling. And it affects yeah. families and kids and the whole society.
6: And those are good yep. points. I was just uh, thinking that they should be pulled because they're annoying. But um, <laughs> we <laughs> agree. But um, and, and that being said, we have to take a break right here for not, not for uh, gambling commercials, but right. for uh, top of the hour ID. <laughs> and then we'll be back with the second half of this week's edition of Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program with our roundtable regulars Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, joined by Jan Worth Nelson.
4: Hi, I'm Alexander Zanjic. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner.